in 100 years. Uh, Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. I hate you. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just when we search, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is Tuesday, the 11th of April. This is Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And I'm Charlie Clawson, and there are tears in my eyes. I'm so proud of you. Little Tucker, you finally got it right. Well, you know what the thing was, uh, Charlie? We got a welcome call. We got a wake-up call this uh, week, you know, the Bulldogs and myself. Yeah, you know, I heard your voice is a little husky. Is that because you've been crying all weekend? Look, I mean, I'd forgotten what it was like to lose a game of football, Charlie. <laughs> Like I've never gone this long without losing a game of football. I realise because well, I can we, I can think I can think of a producer who might be able to tell you all about it. Yeah, I mean, let's we'll get to the Mike Hell Hawthorne curse in a little bit, but um, you know, the the sad thing about you know Hawthorne, like you can't really enjoy Hawthorne being crap as much as you would like to, because the history of Hawthorne shows that even if they're crap for the next two years, like about three or four years from now, they'll just be great again. Yeah, so it's hard right. to even enjoy them being crap because you know they're going to be good again. But yeah. for me, for me, since late August 2016, it has been a period of unprecedented success. We had not lost the game of football in like six months, and it was a brilliant thing. And now it's over. I knew it had to end at some stage, but Charlie. You did, you did lose to Frio in the last round. You sort of put the cue in the rack and rested some players in the final round last year, right? So you don't that's count that? No, that oh, was the last you're saying time. from that that's point, a, right. Yeah. Yeah. That was the last time we lost the game of football. Uh, in fact, I would say right now, you can say that Frio are the only team that can beat the Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> and so as long as we don't have to play Frio in a final in Western Australia, we should be fine, Charlie. Everything's okay. Yeah, the upside to the Bulldogs' losses. Last time we lost to Freo, we went on to then win the AFL Premiership. So I'm going to take it as an omen that it's a sign that we can go back-to-back. Well, it's uh, a round that stumped many people. Um, fuck, who would have thought it? Like, the entire the entire league went Richmondy on us, Will. Ah, uh, yeah, the AFL. This is how Richmondy this season is. Richmond <laughs> have inspired all the other teams to behave in a Richmond-like fashion. <laughs> it's like the all-bets-off. Like, this is the year where Richmond are behaving sensibly, and everybody else is behaving Richmondy. there may be a chance that we're in alternative universe. Ah, yes. Something split last year. Something yeah. split last year. And maybe Frio were the harbingers of that. We should have seen what happened because they fell from the preliminary final to fucking bottom of the ladder. That was such a dramatic shift, unprecedented. Then the Bulldogs win a flag from seventh, unprecedented. It started earlier than we've realised. Yeah, or maybe and this is my pet theory at the moment, is that when that uh, Johannesson goal was disallowed in the AFL Grand Final, do you remember that? And remember when I turned to you and I said, ah, here we go. This is the story of the Bulldogs. We're going to lose. Maybe in that moment, I blanked out from the terror. And since then, I've been living in a world (laughs) where I believe the Bulldogs went on to win that game. But it turns out they didn't. What I didn't tell you, as I passed you my spinning top... (laughs) You actually slipped and hit your head on the chair behind you, and you've been in a coma for the past six months. 
Yeah. Oh, imagine if like that game, no, that's where it goes back to, right? It goes back to the Fremantle. It goes back to that Fremantle game. And like, we lost the Fremantle and it shocked me so much. I fell over, hit my head that day. And since the original Fremantle game, I've been in a coma imagining all this happening. And you've discovered the only way to bring me out of the coma is to get us to lose the Fremantle again. You have to replicate the exact same situation. There is something to this rule because the only two games I saw the Bulldogs play live last year was with you. The first one was like round one or round two. Where you round beat- one against Freo. Yeah, you beat them, and there was all this positivity in the room. And there was like, I remember thinking, oh, they're very impressive. Then the next time I see them playing, they're playing Frio. So it's almost like I'm stuck in a loop where I only see Bulldogs, the Bulldogs play Frio, and then bizarre things happen. I mean, it does explain why there's so many penises in my dreams. <laughs> it's, just, it's just subliminal domain state. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, what a round. I mean, I got, I did get nine out of nine on my tips in round two, but. Oh, sorry, just, I'd also like to just say, like, if we are living in an alternate dimension, I bet you that the Saints have only one flag in this fucking alternate dimension as well. The yeah, only well, team a- to have one flag across infinite timelines. Maybe they're in another timeline, uh, there's two guys, a version of you and me, doing this podcast, but it's called like Two Guys, A Hundred Cups, and it's the most <laughs> hated podcast on the internet because it's just two guys who've had nothing but success boasting to each other about, it's like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates started a podcast together yeah. about how much they nailed the world. Uh, yeah, so it was, a, look, I mean, it was a weird round of football. It, it really was, I mean, this, you know what this was like? It was like the AFL, you know how the AFL have all their theme rounds? This felt like the same round was all bets are off round. Yeah. Nothing that you can imagine would happen round. That's what round three felt like. Yeah. It felt like we want to give journalists the option to write breathless articles about the declines of empires round. Uh, no, you know what it felt like? It felt like in the Hunger Games when they start to ramp shit up. That's what mm. this weekend felt like. You know, like initially they've just let a few people sort of kill each other and go around. But it's now the point in the game where they're like, oh, this one isn't going how we want. Let's send in a storm. A yeah. storm. <laughs> See how they play in a storm. Well, do you, do you think what it is, it's equalization working perfectly? That you can have a team who are perennial finalists like Hawthorne, make some trades and then drop off and then have like a team like, you know, Essendon or Richmond who haven't lost a game suddenly come up the table and it's happened quickly. Uh, I reckon, you know, what we're seeing the effect of now, the fact that GWS and Gold Coast don't have all the draft picks. So I reckon for a while, yeah, Hawthorne were able to go through that period because none of the other clubs could get those, you know, top 10 draft picks that Mm. they would traditionally get for finishing down below. But now we're at that point where, you know, this is the first time that trickle-down economics has actually ever worked in the history of humanity is GWS because there's now yeah. a whole team. I heard somebody on a podcast the other day go through a team of players who had been at GWS who are now at other clubs and pick like a team and you were like, oh, fuck, that team had come about ninth. <laughs> you know, like it's at that point now where people are getting draft picks back themselves mm. and I mean... And I guess this is why, as a Saints fan, you must just be loving Hawthorne going so badly because you did that deal with them where you first get their, pick. Na- their first round pick this year. Yeah, so the lower they finish... We, yeah, potentially we could have a number one draft pick and even if we make finals. Oh, I mean, that'd be your ideal scenario, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah well, I was on Sensational on the weekend and someone started up a thread which is called Hawthorne Watch just to update how low they're going and how high our draft pick will be. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. 
I mean, that makes it more fun when you don't have to finish down below to get a good draft pick. You can just barrack for another team too. Well, I remember when in our 2004-2005 period where like Revolt and Del Santo and, and Cozzi all started coming along, we were like widely tipped to make the finals an up-and-coming team. And then Carlton got busted for all their fucking shenanigans and we got handed Brendan Goddard as their number one pick. And that was just like, awesome, bonus, we're playing finals and we get the number one draft pick. I, I loved how you described it as shenanigans too. Yeah. I think that was the official term. They lost some draft picks, uh, some premiership points because of assorted shenanigans. <laughs> I couldn't, well, I can remember the specifics of what they'd done wrong. I just knew they'd done cheating, something wrong. Cheating, cheating the draft, <laughs> cheating, paying players under the table. You know, the usual Carlton stuff before that shit got ruled out. Shenanigans. Yeah, shenanigans. <laughs> Um, uh, so they got off to a bloody, uh, very surprising, you know, I can't ever really get too happy about a Collingwood upset win, but it was a pretty fucking great game. I thought Collingwood were ferocious. Like if you're looking for signs that they support the coach, like, you know, you look for things like tackles and the way that they tackled, the way that they were going at the Swans. I mean, it was really you know, good to watch. It was one of those games where I was like, I have no great sympathy for Collingwood either. You know, we've been raised that way not to have, but the way that they approached that game and the way that they played, I must admit I was barracking for them by the end of it. I reckon, you know, here's the thing. Like, if people are going, um, you know, the, the players don't want to play for Buckley. That's the story you hear, right? Um, I don't reckon that... I reckon that game was the opposite. They had a crack. Like, they tackled, they bled mm. on the field. They're not as skillful as the Swans. I know the Swans are missing a whole bunch of players and stuff, but it was Buddy's 250th. They're at home. They had a good reason to win that game, and they've still got a good enough, yeah, good enough players, but... They were just ferocious. They were... Yeah. And, I'm, and Tre- Trelaw is a freaking gun. He could win a brown, though, I reckon. He's just got the makeup of a player who gets, who gets umpires' votes. Mate, the only way he'll win the brown, though, this year is if he goes down to Punt Road and Nancy Kerrigan's Dusty Martin <laughs> in the car park. And Can by the way... <laughs> yeah, I don't think that that's is... a, fam- a family that's unfamiliar with that technique. Right. That's it's, how it's Dusty's the, yeah. Martin grandfather used to say, happy birthday. Hey, Dusty, come in the car park. Crack. Happy birthday. <laughs> That's why Dusty's so good at the fend-off. That's how he got taught to do it. Like his <laughs> grandpa would come at him with a tire iron and say, I'm going to crack your legs unless you fend me off. That's, that's, how, that's how he got the don't, don't argue. Yeah, so what... Oh, we'll get to the Richmond game. We'll get to the Richmond game. Yeah. Um, so what do you make of Sydney losing to at the SCG? That's uh, huge, right? That's got to be one of the best home ground advantages, especially with a player like Buddy. That's one of the best home ground, home ground advantages there is. But now they've lost two there. You don't feel as kind of worried, do you? No. I mean, the Bulldogs have had a really good record against them at the SCG. So it's never been one of those ones for us that Collingwood remarkably have a really great record against Sydney if you look at it. But most of those games have been out at the, the terrible stadium, not at the SCG. So, uh, look, I, you know what? I, Hanbury was back. He played a yeah. shit first quarter and then he was a gun for the rest of the game. And there was some theories floating around the internet that they, they got him a beer at quarter time. <laughs> yeah. Cause right. he, cause he, cause he's given up drinking and he's been yeah. terrible. And like, and they're just like, look, he's played well for the rest of the game. Maybe they've just come in and gone, we, we, we think it's Gatorade. They put it in the Gatorade bottle. Horse has sent down the message. He goes, just fill up the Gatorade bottle. Go to the mm. members, get some full strength beer, put it in a Gatorade bottle and shove it in his mouth. <laughs> He's like the drunken master, Jackie Chan. Fights yeah, better yeah, when he's wasted. Well, he's Popeye spinach, you know? Yeah. Just get it in you. So would you argue, Will, that maybe before the game, 
Collingwood had their backs to the wall. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, this Because it was theory. a classic fucking Collingwood yeah. backs to the wall victory, wasn't it? I must admit, Charlie, you're right. We did not take mm. into account. And I think this is probably, we should do this one week and maybe we can actually do it as we go through this round. But if Richmondy are defined, you know, we know what being Richmondy is. Mm. Is there other clubs that have similar characteristics? Because one of them would probably be that you could say that Collingwood, if you're going to put your rules through your tips, Collingwood are good backs to the wall. That's one we have yep. found in the past. They're a backs yep. to the wall team. Yeah. I mean, I guess even before that for Collingwood, the Collie Wobbles was, a, that was, that was a version of Richmondy to do with finals specifically. But right. that was a term that I grew up with. But I don't know. I guess what Hawthorne, well, could you say that GWS's massacre of teams has become a feature? <laughs> right. The yeah, way they true. just like, Serial killers just slice through opposition, clinical precision. Now, GWS treat, um, you know what GWS are like? They're like a Jackie Chan movie. Like yeah. they just, like people just run at them and they just dispatch them. Yeah, I can't think of another club. I think like Hawthorne. Oh, you know what it is? Um, Shinbone Spirit. Oh, so, yeah. you know, grinding out a win. I mean, Frio had a reputation for a long time, sort of before Ross Lyon has been flaky Frio. So that was kind of a version of Richmond as well. I still think of that when I think of Frio. Um, what other performances you get? The Bulldogs prior to 2016 were like, will always disappoint you. We'll always get yep. close, but no cigar. Love, lovable losers. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't buy a trophy cabinet. And I think St Kilda, I mean, for a lot, St Kilda's like overall lack of success defines that club. Like, I remember in 2009 when we were, I think it was 16 games undefeated or 17 games, started the year without a loss. And I was on a, a big footy and someone said, that, would it surprise anyone if St Kilda went from this position and still lost the grand final? And it was mm. just a thread of people going, no, 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 no. So as much as I'd hate to admit it, that would be a characteristic that defines my club, right? <laughs> well, we'll get to the St Kilda game, but... It, it, there's a, a few things to talk about around St Kilda, I think, at the moment. So okay. maybe we should move through these games and we can... Uh, uh, so the next game of the weekend was, of course, the GWS game. Now, they played North Melbourne, and I thought North, you know, Shimbona Spirit, they were brave, but GWS mm. are just looking fantastic. Uh, 109 to 67, and they kicked 15-19. If they kicked straight, it could have been really, really terrible, this game. And uh, Shields signed on for another two years, which is disappointing because he's one of those players that I've covered it. I was like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could just somehow lure a Shield back? I see him. He lives in my neighborhood. I've seen him at my local cafe. And I watch the way when he's taking his latte down to his table, man, he moves through traffic very smoothly. <laughs> Doesn't, well, if, no bumps, no trips. Smooth mover. Well, obviously, if he lives in your neighborhood, Charlie, Surely you could be behind his push out of Sydney just by making his living circumstances uncomfortable. I mean, get a, you know, get a loud car started outside his house every morning, wake him up, you know, kind of steal his bin on bin night, you know, go down to the place that makes his latte, slip him a few bucks to kind of start making it weaker or stronger or whatever it is that he doesn't like, you know, just slightly kind of, and suddenly he's like, hey, you know what? I don't really enjoy living in Sydney anymore. Somebody's been stealing my mail. Maybe yeah. I'll go and live in St Kilda. What, what does it say about Seaford that I could be doing that to him and still the thought of moving to Seaford and training at Seaford, he'd be like, oh, no, fuck it, I could put up with a terrible neighbour. 
Well, maybe you need a lot of seafood propaganda. Maybe that's the other way you've got to go with it. You've got to be running down Sydney, but at the same time upping seafood. So maybe yeah. just what, what you, when he's at the cafe, you know, you're in there with somebody else having a loud conversation about how beautiful seafood is and how yeah. seafood is really like your suburb, but in Victoria. Yeah. I'll, I'll get Mike, I'll get Mike Howell to cut some promos and it'll be like, seafood, we've got three subways in our mall. <laughs> seafood, where you can always find a Suzanne's. <laughs> Seaford, we're just off the highway. I swear. Seaford, you might drive past us. Seaford, we're not here for much longer. <laughs> Seaford, a long-term investment, like 75 years. Um, uh, I guess Josh Kelly was the interesting talking point out of this game because North are on the record as offering him a nine-year, $9 million contract. And then he came down and uh, didn't seem to be overwhelmed by the pressure, got 31 touches and was you know, one of, if not the best on the ground for the day. And that's one of those times where you go, well, that's a good audition for North Melbourne. That wouldn't want mm. North Melbourne wanting him any less. Uh, in fact, the price might go up a little bit. But B, after seeing GWS demolish North Melbourne, wouldn't you just be like, you know what, I'd rather be on this side of it than the <laughs> other side of it? Yeah, well, I think that was... That was Shields' rationale for leaving. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Have you seen this fucking team? Do you know how many flags yeah. we're going to win? I'm going to be like a fucking five-time premiership player. But also not just that. When you leave, you have to play against that team. Yeah. So not only do you have the idea that, that you know, you're going to win if you stay there, but if you go away twice a season, you're going to have to get beaten by that team. Yeah. Humiliated by them. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like they won't let you hear about it. Oh, yeah, because they talk. Because they have mm. the time. They have the time to talk. That's why they're so good, so good at sledging, because they have so much time, free time to sledge. <laughs> yeah, they literally write bits on, on the field. Sometimes they stuff. Yeah, they have a group sledging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you see the Ford line coach goes out, he's just running zingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've got a runner who's a comedy writer. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Danny McGinn lays at the Bulldogs, right? Yeah, well, he's doing the banners. At GWS, they've got Gary Eck running for them, just giving everyone lines. <laughs> oh, do Hang you on, take any... that, that, that runner looks like Jamoan. Is that Jamoan? Where do you put North Melbourne? Like, they, they, they haven't been bad performances. There's obviously like a, a core. I mean, the weird, the big, probably the big story to come out of this game is what happens to Todd Goldstein now. Right. Because they've got this rugby dude, this young guy, who's a gun and apparently I didn't realize but there was a lot of talk about Goldstein getting traded last year or they were dangling him out at least but they didn't get a deal that seemed worthwhile but isn't that I mean how quickly things change in football like the most dominant ruckman in the game is suddenly being replaced by a 23 year old rugby player well I think it's interesting because I think the thing about Goldstein is he's the best ruckman in the league when he is able to ruck most of the game himself Mm. But it's hard to play him with another player because he's not quite good enough forward to kind of do that structure and you're going with two tools. Um, I think that they think he's got some value as well. That's the other thing. Like, you know, Goldstein, you'd actually get something decent for. He's at the end of his career. And if you could pick up some decent young players, it's probably worth trading. And I reckon there'd be clubs in the league. I mean, He'd be good at the Bulldogs. I would have thought the Bulldogs would be, because we're, I mean, at the moment, the thing you can really see is that we're missing roughheads severely. We're getting murdered in the middle. Like, to the point where, did you see that uh, reporter at the press conference who asked Luke Beveridge <laughs> if uh, he might bring Will, Will Minson back in next week? And Bevo's a bit like, ah, well, it's going to be, it's going to be a bit hard, mate, because, you know, 
He's retired, so... <laughs> Funny, I heard a lot of journos going that journalist who asked that question. Let's start as unprofessionals. Like, fuck, man, imagine if they listen to our podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I retired Jesse White three years ago. Yeah. He's still playing. I know, I saw him miss a shot on goal, like Jesse White does. <laughs> <laughs> but did, yeah, you see, that- did you see that moment in the game? where uh, uh, Libertore went up against Sandlands. He nominated to go up in the ruck and he went up against Aaron Sandlands. It was adorable. Yeah, well, he's always wanted to hike Everest and that's yeah. as close as he's going to get. Yeah. Uh, what was the next game? Was it actually the Bulldogs for you? Uh, Richmond West Coast. Oh, well, the, of course. Let's talk, about, let's talk about this game. First of all, I picked it, didn't I? You did. There's something about this Richmond team. They're extra Richmond, you will. And I feel like it could be a lot. I feel like it, this could be their greatest entry. Like, I feel like we've got a long, interesting ride. Like, they could maybe go seven or eight games unbeaten and then do something really Richmondy. Well, we'll get to this when we talk about next week because it is a real interesting Richmondy moment, I think, in this season because they play Brisbane. Now, yes. this is traditionally after a start this good your Brisbane would be your most Richmondy thing to do. You get yeah. off to a flyer, you lose to the team that most people have picked to come bottom. Very yeah. Richmondy. But I'm like you. I feel like yeah. this team might have something special in store for us. Yeah, I feel like they're going to deliver their opus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it feels too obvious. I think, you know, maybe even our podcast was responsible of pointing out some of the more obvious Richmond things to happen. And so they're, 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 trying, to, they're trying to J.J. Abrams us or M. Right. Night Shyamalan us. There's a, there's a Richmondy twist coming that will both delight and shock us. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I feel like we're going to see a lot of it this season. It's exciting. <laughs> they look good, though. They've, I mean, they are definitely a much better team, regardless of any of that sort of stuff. You know, they A few of those guys that they've brought in have really, really improved them, I think. it's I mean, Martin, at the moment, has got to have nine Brownlow votes. Cochin is playing beautifully again. Um, You know, Rioli is fantastic. You know, Rance is back to form. Like, they, yeah, there's a a lot of good stuff going on at Uh, Richmond, I'd say. Question, question. Um, If uh, if Rance doesn't pull up next week, will you play Tyrone Vickery? Uh, This is going to be awkward, but uh, Tyrone Vickery has retired from football. (laughs) He, has, he hasn't told Hawthorne yet, but. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'd, ra- we'd rather pick Will Minson. <laughs> yeah, no, Richmond are good. I mean, that Rioli goal was classic fucking um, uh, under 16 type forward play. Like, that's the kind of goal you see your mate go for in under 16s. Like, had no business kicking that, but it was fucking awesome. Like, it has to be easily, like, con- like early content of a goal of the year, right? Hard to beat. Uh, th- well, there's already been, like, three or four that you just go, that's one's going to be hard to beat. The skill level, you know, th- we hear a lot of complaints about, you know, set shot kicking for goal, and I understand that because it is a real skill. But what has improved in the last 10 or 15 years is all those other shots at goal. Yeah, like, you know, we, we always trick think, shots. You know? They're trick shots. Yeah, That's, you know what? You're right. They didn't used to be when we grew up. There were no trick shots. Dacos was about the right. closest you got to a trick shot. Now everyone's bloody doing trick shots. Every team's got a Dacos now. Yeah, two or three Dacoses, and it's yeah. weird, isn't it? Like it's kind of it used to be lairizing, but now you almost would prefer the guy tries to check side along the ground when he's like <laughs> straight out in front. 
Oh, there was a goal that Mark Murphy kicked in the Carlton game that like under a pack of people basically. And it was just like one of those things where you're like, that was just so beautifully skillful and you know, nice to watch. Yeah. Um, so what I was going to say about this is West Coast, obviously, mm-hmm. um, they kicked eight, eight seventeen. So they let Richmond, you know, certainly into it, but also it rained mm-hmm. and you've got to take into account that these guys are from Western Australia and they've yeah. probably never experienced rain before. 100%. They would have been, they would have been like, what is this falling from the sky? Will my tan wash off? How are yeah. my ringlets in my hair going to go after yeah. the game? Are they going to straighten out? Don't look weird. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, this is a very foreign feeling to them. So, well, what are they? It's something like they've won five of their last twenty games at the MCG West Coast. Yeah, I don't. I'd hate to. Uh, I'd hate to bring up a characteristic that defines a team. Will, but would you say flat track bullies? They are flat track bullies. There is no doubt about that. Well, they're they, not even flat track bullies because apart from bad kicking last week, we would have beaten them. Like they weren't bullying us around. They're not like GWS or Adelaide. Like that, you know, they could have scrambled to keep up with us. It's only in the last quarter they got past us. Well, West Coast have traditionally been your flat track bullies. I would say that GWS are new bullies on the block. Yeah, <laughs> uphill bullies. Yeah, yeah, they're the new bully team in town. Yeah, I think West West Coast. You got to put it. You got to put a big question mark on them. Play, like, how are they going to win the grand final if they can't play the MCG? Well, they might not need to play at the MCG until grand final day, and that gets you there, and then all yeah. bets are off. Yeah, that's a good point. And they, oh, might be playing, they might be playing GWS, who also have never played a grand final. You know, so, you know what I mean? Like, they've won more grand finals at the MCG than GWS does, so if they get there on grand final day, they'd still fancy themselves a shot at it, I would have thought. The Cats uh, were victorious over Melbourne, which was disappointing for a, a couple of reasons, but mainly Maxi gone. Maxi gone, gone. Three months, I Yeah, reckon. Yeah, I know. That's really disappointing. I love Max gone. And he, for Melbourne, this is where... Shit gets a bit sad for Melbourne, I reckon, because they started so optimistically in this season, but losing Lewis and Hogan, and they're out still for a couple of weeks, and then, you know, gone, you know, gone. I think this is going to be a tough little run for Melbourne now. To quote Dennis Committee, they've gone in optimistically, they're going to end up optimistically. Uh, <laughs> I think it was misty optically, actually. But oh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's better. To that misquote, to misquote Dennis Committee. <laughs> To do a Yoda version of Dennis Committee. <laughs> um, yeah, the, you, it's tough now for them because they still don't get, what, Lewis back for another week? And yeah. Hogan oh, for two weeks. Is that right? No, the other way around. So oh, Hogan around. for another yeah. week and Lewis for two. Yeah, and then, you know, you move your prime mover from the middle. Did you see the interview with him uh, outside when he got his scans done? He's great, Maxi. He's gone, well, yeah, when I went off, we were four points up, so you know, I'm blaming the other guys for the loss. <laughs> <laughs> well he's probably right yeah. and you'll have to blame them for the losses over the next three months when he's not playing as well but the good news is uh for melbourne that will minson is available so <laughs> if you want to put him into the ruck i mean this is one of those moments i guess where if they had the pre-season uh, the mid-season draft and i don't know how mm-hmm. i feel about the mid-season draft but say for example this is one of those scenarios where you could imagine getting a goldstein it, right you know, suddenly they feel like they're f- going towards the finals and they need someone to come in and play that sort of role to take them there. Um, North Melbourne feel like they could get some value some tr- you know, out of it for a team that maybe won't make the finals. That's where your kind of mid-season draft would probably be handy. It's quite, you know what, I mean, I haven't really thought about it till you just brought it up now, but 
it would actually make things really interesting and exciting. It adds more drama and intrigue. It becomes like Game of Thrones to have like Goldstein to uh, depart to House Melbourne. You know, that would be amazing. Like what, what drama there would be around that. I mean, how do they yeah. execute that quickly? Do they, I mean, does he just pack his locker up and walk out or does he just do it from his house and never go back? Like, I want, yeah, I want to see someone do it. Will, let's do it. Sold. Right. <laughs> all right. Good. Um, all right. Uh, no, no more to say about that pretty much, is there? Like, I don't know much more about that game. Danger, no. Dangerfield and Selwood were really good again. Who knew? Apparently, they can play. Uh, the showdown over at um, Adelaide Oval, which uh, I didn't get to see, but I was hoping in the highlights for more Biffo. <laughs> A bit disappointed. Oh, I watched, well, I watched that, that Charlie, AFL. Um, yeah. Uh, if, if you're hoping for more Biffo, you were looking at the wrong place. You needed to look into the crowd because apparently <laughs> there was heaps of it. Oh, was there really? Yeah, like, yeah. Apparently there were Port fans spitting on Adelaide fans and then they had a fight in the crowd and stuff. So, good night out at the footy. <laughs> Adelaide Tourism, we've got your new campaign. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Adelaide are just, again, proving credentials. They just They just look the best most well-rounded team at the moment, don't they? Yeah, this is one of those games where I reckon that it went exactly... This is probably the one of the round where the two teams probably played at the level that they're at. I reckon right. Adelaide could well be the best team in the competition and Port Adelaide showed that they can match it with the the top teams. Uh, You've you got to start thinking now that, like... I mean, I didn't have Port Adelaide in my eight and I had Hawthorne in my eight. Mm. Uh, you you got to start thinking that perhaps that might be the other way around by the end of the season. And Tex Walker with two massive goals. I want to dislike Tex. Like, there's something about him. He's got that sort of Wayne Carey kind of strut, but he's just so damn good and likable. I, I don't like. I don't dislike anything about Tex Walker. I just reckon he's the best. Yeah. He, I think. I think he's the one who got me to really kind of let down my guard when it comes to the Adelaide Crows. Because mm. I'd I'd always admired them. But my heart was hardened towards Adelaide because of the, you know, the destruction they'd wrought on my football happiness. Yeah. And that, I just felt like that had it too easy. But they've won me back. Eddie Betts I think it's and a Tex. combo. Yeah, I think it's a combo. I think it's all yeah. the personalities I have, like Sloan, Sloan Betts, yeah. Cameron, Walker. You know, they all seem like good footballers. There's something, yeah, you're right. They don't have that. Well, they're not the crowbots of the, of the, of the yeah. noughties. And they're Who not do you that. Hate? Who do you hate in Adelaide? Like, I'm finding it hard. I, in the old days, I could have Nathan Buckley style given you a top five of players <laughs> at any time at the Adelaide Crows I hated. But now, yeah. I, can't even, I can't even think of one that really pisses me off. No, Talia, you actually just like... Talia. The... I hate Talia. Fuck oh, yeah, that that's guy. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. But that's personal because his brother I... cheated us out of that final, allegedly. <laughs> I hate McLeod. Is he still playing? Yeah. <laughs> but I loved him too, actually. No, Maybe I do love awesome. Adelaide. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, here we go. Michael, our producer, just sent a little note saying, from an American perspective, that moustache is hard to look at on Tex Walker. Why does American perspective have anything to do with I it? Wonder, well, I wonder if the, the American sports people don't go the, the, the moustache in that or sort of the fashion. Because his name is Tex. Explain yourself, Michael. I would have thought it was because of the moustache itself. Right. But that seems odd. Aren't there a lot of Americans with moustaches? American sports people? Can you think of one? Who's the most famous mustachioed American sports person? Tom Selleck. Rarely seen in American sport. There you go. Right. That's weird. Yeah. That's a whole new podcast. I reckon the mustache in Australian sport 
became iconic through sport. You know, like, I mean, we, there were some really famous sports people who have had yeah. mustaches. Do you know who had a, you know a footballer who had, who I thought always looked like uh, football's Errol Flynn? Do you remember Sean White from Melbourne in the 80s? He was an Irish halfback flanker, and he had like a little pencil-thin mustache. He looked like a 1920s movie star. Well, I think that's the look that's a bit in the AFL now. It's your Joe Danoher, it's your Tom yeah. Boyd. It's these kind of tall guys with floppy hair with these kind of barista mustaches like, you know, yeah. that all go together. Well, someone actually did send us a message on Twitter during the week, um, RE, uh, Joe Danoher's tiny head, and why maybe yeah. it looks bigger. And he said he thinks that it's because his mustache is filled out. Right. Because Balance remember he had head. that wispy little mustache and that kind of you may mm. may have drawn your eye to it. Like I, I think you're right. Uh, his head does not look as small as I remember. It's still a small head, mm. but um, yeah. Yeah, but the mustache could lend lead some credence to that as well. Yeah. Well, there you go. If you've got a small head, balance it out with a fluffy mo. <laughs> <laughs> Two guys, one cup for all your AFL tips. Over at Penis Stadium, Frio yep. uh, beat the Western Bulldogs, as we discussed earlier, in um, Ross playing the kids. That's the theme of that round, isn't it? No, I reckon the theme is getting rid of Zach Dawson. Mm. Like, it's Who not the thought? playing... Like, essentially, that was a 10-player turnaround because you've put in six new ones and you've essentially gained four by not playing Zach Dawson. So it's really, you know, you've got a whole new team out there. I think <laughs> yes. that's what the... <laughs> Nine players worth. Yeah, you're not, you're not carrying that dead weight anymore. Sorry, Zach Dawson. I know you've had a fine AFL career, but... Um, it was weird it... When, they, when, they, when they announced the, the lists for the weekend that the headline was Dawson out. Like, normally they put the biggest name out, but the, it's like, really? Like, no, Jack well, Stephen out? It's like Dawson's out. It's like, well, because people he... are so surprised. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That he was still playing. He's the opposite to Will Minson. Um, what did you, what were your honest feelings about this? Did you play below par and they played really well or what happened? Uh, oh, look, the first thing is I haven't seen much of the game because I was, I did the Opera House on Saturday night and I had two shows. So it was literally the whole time the game was on. And then because we lost, I didn't really feel like I was going to go and revisit it much, but I watched Bevo's, um, that he sends out a, you know, a message to members after each game and it's always really good it's always worth watching regardless of what the result is I just is. imagine it's just him playing an acoustic guitar just like singing some song looking all cool well this one in particular because he hadn't shaved this week for some reason so he looks <laughs> like that it, it looks like kind of like a hostage video because like they do it immediately after the game and he gives his thoughts and he was clearly really really disappointed about what had happened um, did Bevo just I, pledge his allegiance to ISIS yeah <laughs> Is Bevo here against his will? Um, I think this has been coming for a bit. Like, I mean, we had to lose at some stage. Eventually, that's what happens. But I think you've seen from the way the Swans have started that I think more and more in the AFL now, that extra time in how you start, the teams that play deep into the finals are slower to get going. I just think you see it across the board these days. And I think what's happening... The Bulldogs, the first two weeks, I didn't think were overly impressive. I was really happy we won both those games because I didn't think we were playing anywhere near at the level we were last time. And I, I liked this as a loss. If, 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 if you can like a loss, it's mm. like one of those ones where I was like, it's at the right time. Yeah. So they like kind of reset their expectations and they don't get a bit too, we can win regardless of, you know, how we yeah. play and that sort of thing. So I think as long as this isn't the start of like a, 
a pattern. And you weren't and you weren't blown out of the water. You did fight back. You're away from home. There's all these things you can factor in. It's like, okay, well, even if it was 25% off, you know, there's factors why that we can we can address. Yeah, and we've still got some stuff going on that they're still mucking around with and whatever. But yeah, like, I mean, disappointing, but it's one of those things where you're just like, it's, I don't think we'll have to play Frio in the finals if we make yeah. the finals. So I'm okay with this. Five, 33 touches. Yeah, he's good. Do you think, uh, do you think he's, he got a lot of, sl- the reason they got like six players, new players in was because the other ones kept grumbling about it. It's like, well, maybe that's the problem. So many players don't like him. We just get like six new guys and they don't know him that well. I mean, maybe that's the secret, right? Maybe yeah. what, that's what Ross has got to do. He's got to draft kids to the club and then just keep them away from Fife. The well, only heard- time, the only time they should meet him is on the football field. <laughs> well, I had a story which seemed odd to me that apparently, Ross wanted to swing changes earlier, like I think after round one, but was overruled by his leadership group who wanted to keep the senior players in. And then Ross had to go like to the board or something like that and like actually overrule the leadership group in order to get these young guys in. That that seems unusual, right? That like there'll be that level of disconnect with a coach in the leadership group. My understanding is that's not quite the story. Um, My understanding is that uh, Ross... What the last week wanted to bring in these changes so one week previous but mm-hmm. went to the leadership group and they said let's give this team one more go and he took it on board but then when it didn't work out the right. next week they executed the thing and i was listening to uh nicky dell nick del santo who by the way is a fucking star in the media i reckon right. he is i reckon he's the number one of all the ex-players who've gone into the media this year his insights are amazing i reckon i reckon he's the afl's michael chamberlain he reminds me of michael Ch- chambo so much do you get that yeah i see that yeah <laughs> yeah he just needs a really dark offsider adam rosenbach style <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so uh, uh, he was talking about uh, being coached by Ross and he yep. said that Ross does consult with the leadership group on those sort of things. So say, for example, he was going to bring a player in or if he, they mm. weren't happy with someone, mm. he would go to the leadership group and present it. And if they said, oh, no, we don't like that guy or we don't think they got that guy's honouring the principles we want to have or whatever, that he would genuinely take that on board. So apparently that is actually part of his process. Yeah, right. Well, it worked. Yeah. And now it, 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 the question is... Is it like one of those things where you just inject a new bunch of new players and they have that one win and then they can't hold it together? Because these kids are all like... I mean, do you think Freo will play finals this year? No. No, definitely not? I don't think Freo will win many more games this but year. But their top I... five players are still really good. Yeah. But you don't reckon they could do it? No. Okay. Moving uh, on. I, I think this was the aberration in their season. I think if you're a Fremantle fan, you know, you're celebrating because you've seen in, that in two years, you know, when some of those young players are like, you know, have, have got 50, 60 games in them and your stars are still around, hopefully, then mm. you might, you know, be playing finals again, but not this year, no. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, St Kilda defeated the Lions in a very scrappy, uninspiring game. At Eddie had, oh man, inaccurate kicking hurts, but, um, I don't know if it's a weight of expectation, but there is no St Kilda fans are happy at the moment. They're very disappointed with the way this season started. Well, Charlie, you know how optimistic I usually am about St Kilda, but I watched that game. Firstly, Brisbane, you got to say, if you're a Brisbane fan, I know this is hard to say when you're like, 
you know, what, one and one and one and two or whatever for the start mm. of the season. But I reckon you've got to be really happy with how this season's started if you're a Brisbane fan. They were a mess last season and suddenly they're playing with passion. They've got some organization, you know, mm. Beams and some of these other guys are playing really, really good football. They're going to worry a lot of teams. Like matches against Brisbane now are not the, you know, tick that box. We're going to win that. You're going to have to play pretty good football to beat Brisbane, I reckon, this year. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely seem better, but there's some, oh, it's, we've just got so many problems at the moment and i keep coming back to the idea that we st- like revolt amazing first of all like thought his career was over two weeks ago and then comes back and does what he does obviously playing in pain as well like he was limping and stuff and had that big strapping on his knee but when they when it has to be joey montagna and and nick revolt like that's a, was a perfect opportunity for all our third and fourth year players to torch them like they were playing a bunch of kids you know, uh, however many kind of players under like 15 games. And like Jack Billings was really quiet. Paddy McCartan was really quiet. Blake Akers did some good things. But it's just a worry because I don't see where that next generation of Joey's or Del Santos or Goddard's or Lenny Hayes or I don't see who that person is. Like Jack Stephen is probably our A-grade midfielder. But he, even he has limitations and needs to be supported by at least two or three other great mids. Yeah, I agree with that. You, f- you still feel like you're... And it, you can see why St Kilda are so keen to go after another quality midfielder. And you mm. can see what's happened at Richmond with once you get a press Syrian or somebody like that, it takes the pressure off your other guys and then suddenly everybody's playing better. And I, mm. I'm, I'm with you on that. I reckon St Kilda are one really quality midfielder away from a bunch of those other guys you know, playing better as well because you just yeah. need someone else to split the, split the heat in the middle. But I also think that... St Kilda fans are victims of being beneficiaries of one of the greatest, you know, number one draft picks of all time because their expectations of what a tall forward should be able to do in their first three years. Like Nick Revolt, you know, I think was captain by his fourth year in football. So Paddy McCartan is like coming in as our first high draft pick forward since the days of like Cozzy and Nick Revolt. And they're expecting him to be like a once in a generation kind of player. Like I think, there is just a lot of impatience around. I, I mean, I'm not as worried about Paddy as I'm about Jack Billings. Like, I just don't know what's going on. Like, he apparently, from all reports, had an amazing preseason. He he uh, trained the house down well. He's fittest he's ever been. He actually got to complete a full preseason. But you just haven't seen enough of what he can do. No, he. he I mean, big guys take longer. We all know that. But yeah, oh boy. Like, I mean, when Rewalt's still your best player. I mean, by the way, like. He is still a brilliant, brilliant footballer. Like, I, I, I've never really had a think about this, but of number one draft choices, because he was number one, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of number one draft choices, he's got to be in the consideration for the, the best number one draft choice of all time, doesn't he? Yeah, 321 games, however many goals, captain, the second, third longest serving captain. All Australian multiple times. But his last couple of seasons have been amongst his finest. That's the best bit for me. Yeah. Like, well, he's, he's only just, enhanced his reputation in the last couple of years. No doubt yeah. in my mind. Yeah, and he, but it's just all the mental toughness. Like, he sort of doesn't fly like he used to. And, um, but it's all the kind of things that require just, like, sheer, like, uh, compartmentalization of pain and mental toughness, like the endurance, the repeat entries, all that kind of stuff. Like, he just keeps doing that. And, and he'll, I don't know, once he goes, like, 
where do you find another athlete that can do that? Like what he does and the, and the variety he gives us in terms of being a wingman, being a forward, like floating back in defense and taking intercept marks. Yeah, I know. It's incredible. He's like, you know, and he, you know, and he gets his knee drained every week before games and stuff. He's like, you know what he is? He's like that car you bought that you've had forever and it's always been great and you know it's getting towards the end you have to replace the oil every week or whatever but it's still better than any new car on the market you're like fuck these new cars i'm gonna keep driving this one until it completely conks out because you're all shit they don't make them like they used to (laughs) yeah so it's interesting like look i'm not i haven't completely i'm I'm not hitting panic stations yet i think that this next guy uh this next round will be really important for us to have a win and I've seen enough of the glimpses of like first quarter against Melbourne and at least for the first three quarters against West Coast that we can be really damaging. I think a lot of the problem for us is that we play this high intensity sort of running game where we, you know, we defend really quickly. We try and get the ball over the back and, but we're not converting. So when you're putting all that effort in to get your goals and we have yeah. like multiple goal scorers now, they're getting exhausted and they're getting no reward for effort. It's got to fucking play on your mind a bit. And I think other teams have worked us out, out as well, which is like, Look, if we can just hang in there, weather the pressure and just like, you know, maintain some pressure ourselves and make sure that I don't actually kick straight, then we'll be in this. Even if we're 30 points down at half time, we're in this because we either don't have the fitness or we're just not hitting the scoreboard enough to make it a real threat. I reckon you're making a really good point because that the downside to that run and gun game, and I reckon that's what Port Adelaide found out in the last couple of years is if the effort isn't being rewarded with conversion, then the effort drops off eventually, yeah. right? And so you've really got to honour the work that's been done up the rest of the field so that those people continue to do that work. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I don't know if it's a fatigue thing, like, you know, our forwards aren't kicking because they're doing the running and the chasing as well, or if it's just, you know, they've got the yips, whatever, but, you know, you're not going to win many games kicking like we're kicking now. Uh, next game of the weekend was uh, Carlton uh, versus Essendon. Yeah, the and first AFL game that was held underwater. <laughs> Uh, mate, I, so my apartment I'm staying in uh, for the comedy festival here in Melbourne is around the corner from the MCG. You know, it's walking distance from the MCG. And I'd had two shows in Sydney Saturday night, flew back to Melbourne. As you can hear, my voice is a bit croaky. I was feeling terrible. I got into the apartment. I closed all the blinds. I decided I'd lay on the couch and watch the footy and recover for my show. And then I'm watching the TV and I'm going, oh, my God, like, You can barely see the players. It is raining so hard. And then I was like, oh, that means it's raining that hard outside my window that I have not looked out all day. (laughs) But um, this was a great example of old school. I loved watching this game. Like, I'm glad that we don't play all games under these conditions now because it would be boring for the skill to be taken out of it. But, like, Mm. they should have, like, I say once every four rounds – they should have an old school, you know, like in Heritage, maybe in Heritage Round, yeah. like you just yeah. have the round where they're like, they artificially, at Etihad, they rig, they rig yeah. something where they can artificially make it rain during the game just to bring back some old school conditions. I'll go one better, Will. They're currently rebuilding Moorabbin and the Saints famously in the 70s and 80s used to wet the deck yeah. before games so we'd have some who bring opposition down to our level i reckon we do that one heritage round every year we wet down the yeah. track at moorabbin <laughs> we play an old school get some hot jam donuts sit on the hill rebuild the animal enclosure that's a fucking good idea that is actually right. a good idea you'd make a lot that would fucking sell out easily 
Get fucking yeah, GWS I'd... and Brisbane to play there, and you'd easily get 30,000 people. Well, that's the thing. You get the worst game of the round, the one yeah. that was going to be least attended, and you make it old school. Yeah, you get and you, you roll and, and you and you roll back a few other things as well. Yeah. Like you don't have video review, so anything okay. goes. You know, <laughs> I only no, have no like tr- one no tribunal, one, um, one umpire. One umpire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, it would be awesome. Um, all right. Uh, well, was, do you want to say it, anything else? about that? Uh, about no. Essendon? Nothing. No. Like, you didn't. You weren't happy to see Jack Silvani get his first win. It was in everybody's uh, I thought Silvani was great. Did you like the jumpers? Yeah, I love the jumpers. I thought, you know what I was thinking about when I was watching the long sleeves on the Carlton players is Carlton, Carlton have the perfect um, jumper for long sleeves. It looks really, really cool. But like yeah. a lot of other clubs, because of the colours, it looks really, really stupid. But Carlton players in long sleeves. I was like, how many Silvani's have we got, that got out yeah. there today? <laughs> uh, that'd be a little tough, mate. He's retired. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, is that Serge and Stephen? <laughs> they did look a little bit like those thermal um, tops guys went to the gym, those long sleeve thermal tops. Yeah. Hey, you know, you see on Facebook, they have ads for them where they print like superhero muscles over the front of them, like you can get like a Superman one or Batman one. Have you seen those on Facebook? Yeah. So that's what it looked <laughs> a little bit like. That the Because they're all playing such kids, they'd spray painted like muscles and stuff under one of those kind of long sleeve... Well that, tops. well, that was the problem when uh, Colin Sylvia went back to Fremantle last year. He was just wearing one of those tops <laughs> yeah. to training. And Ross was like, that is not fooling anybody, Colin. Michael's trying to fool us uh, by saying he can't find information on the next game. So I'll just remind yeah. you, GWS demolished Hawthorne up in the Gold Coast. The game that we no, said... Hey. Gold Coast demolished. You said GWS, which oh, is something sorry. that might actually happen. But yeah. let's get this right yeah. for any Gold Coast fans who listen to this podcast. The Gold Coast Football Club, the Gold Coast, the Suns, 139. 21 goals, 13. 139 defeated Hawthorne, 7 goals, 11-53. Yeah. It was the complete opposite of what we predicted would happen. Remember last week? We were saying that Hawthorne will be like punching walls, getting ready for this game. They're going to beat up on the sun, something shocking, and then holy shit. I mean, firstly, so it turns out Ablett just had one bad week. Everyone calm down. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be the first thing I'd say. He was equal best on ground in the first round, and he got 36 touches this week. So maybe the old fella just had one bad week, and everyone could just settle the fuck down. Chill the fuck out. Chill out, guys. Um, they got a few players back, but they tried. That was the big difference. They, they ran. ran, man. They fucking ran. Like, that's a thing. They've got all these awesome midfielders who the week before just were plotters who did not even chase or put pressure on a corral or anything. And then this week it was like, would you say Rocket gave them a rocket? Because they fucking, that, they, all they did was run. They played that kind of frantic football that Port and the Saints play. Like, it was awesome to watch. It was so good to watch. They should do that all the time. Call Tony Cochran. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Rocket played them Forrest Gump, but only the bit where he runs. Yeah. I mean, that's fucking... A... You saw that Saad, um, you know, run that Saad went on. where He just decided to keep going. Like, it, not many people make Poppy look slow, but he was just like, you know, I've had four bounces. He checked over his shoulder. Fuck it, I'll just go for another one and deliver perfectly. It was awesome. I love that. That's I've got to say, like, 
of all the sort of great features we have in our game, the high marking and the goals and stuff, someone just fucking tucking it under the arm, Charlie Cameron style, and going for a run or what Jetta used to do. It's the best, right? Like, just fucking oh. taking them on. I'm faster than you. I love nothing more than it. Particularly the bit where they're just like, I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. The bit yeah. where they're just like, all right, now I'm really just going to keep going. Five yeah. bounces. Thank you very much. <laughs> but we talked about Rioli and I was saying, that's reminded me of playing footy in the under-16s where some kid would just go for the impossible shot at goal. Under-16s was also the, about the age where some dude would just grab it in the middle and have seven bounces <laughs> and just kick it from the top of the goal square. Like, you know, the guy who had a bit of a growth spurt over summer. It's awesome to watch. It's just great. Um, what do you think about Hawthorne? Gold Coast were great. So I think that's the first thing we should say. Gold Coast played beautifully. And it's the Gold Coast you've been thinking that we should be seeing. And so if we could see more of it this season, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll beat some teams. But what does it say about Hawthorne? I don't know, man. I thought people were overreacting, but it doesn't look good. Like it's, I've read a lot of very interesting articles this week about are there sort of B and B plus players now exposed that they don't have the A-plus players around them anymore. Like, you know, guys like Shields and Isaac Smith and stuff. But I don't know. It's, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they could cobble together, say, like 10 wins. I mean, they're, they're Hawthorne. It's hard to ever right. write them off. But I do feel like there's a lot of dancing on the grave at the moment. Uh, I think it's one of those things where you just show... It shows how good Sam Mitchell has been. I think we undervalue the idea that you can somehow replace Sam Mitchell's 35 with another 35 and they'll be Mm. as effective. The way that he corralled that midfield and the way that he directed traffic and his disposal in setting up for Hawthorne, I think you're really seeing the value of having someone like that in your midfield, someone who can, you know, can control that and, um, all right, we, we should move on. A, because our producer, Mike Hell, will probably just edit all this out of the podcast anyway. <laughs> and secondly, because uh, I've got a heart out today and uh, we should get to this weekend's games. First one up, uh, at, the main, uh, at the main stadium, West Coast Eagles taking on Sydney. Traditional rivals in a <clears throat> must-win game for the Swans, but one that I don't know that they necessarily will win. No, it, this is going to be interesting, isn't it? It could be a 0-4 uh, start to the season for the Sydney Swans. That's which would so be odd. Hard to come back from, although I wouldn't put it past them. Um, but yeah, I would say West Coast will win this one. You'd think Easter Thursday, West Coast at home. Uh, yeah, you, Sydney's you gotta... still got a lot of players out. But then yeah. Buddy, Buddy, Buddy back in WA. I mean, something special could happen. It could be a good game, I think. West Coast aren't as good as we all thought they were. I mean, round one, they beat North Melbourne over here. I think people are like, oh, they're going to be... And then they just beat the Saints and then they lost last week. So who knows? It could be closer than people think. Yeah, I agree with that. But I and look, and West Coast and Sydney have traditionally always had very close fought games. Mm. But I feel like I feel like West Coast are going to win that one. Okay. Uh, then on uh, on Friday, on the very first ever, I, oh, did you go for Sydney or West Coast? Yeah, I'm going Sydney. All right, uh, on Friday in the very first ever Good Friday uh, game of AFL football. Uh, the North Melbourne Football Club will be hosting the Western Bulldogs at Etihad Stadium. Shouldn't this game be Melbourne St Kilda, Good Friday, Saints and Demons, all that kind of jazz? I mean, sure, technically, I guess if you're going to go in that direction. <laughs> Traditional rivals, the kangaroo takes on the bulldog. Uh, um, you guys should win this, I think. Uh, I mean, you'd be keen to make amends. Well, Minson's back in, from what I understand. <laughs> and fired up, ready yeah. to go. Um, yeah, no, I reckon the Bulldogs, uh, hopefully in a, you know, making up for last week, bit fired up, 
um, and, you know, get back on track with this one, I would have thought. This would be a good chance to really, let's, all right, Melbourne, let's see how much you truly love the AFL. You've been crying out mm. for a Good Friday game for all this time. You've got two traditional Melbourne teams. They don't often get a lot of play, uh, people down. Let's see if you can get, like, record numbers to Eddie had on Friday night. Oh, uh, yeah, I would hope, they'd want to hope this thing sells out. And why wouldn't you? Go to it. I'll, like, if you've got go. nothing to do, It'll be a go. good game. It'll, I reckon yeah, it'll still I, be a good game. It'll be a great game of football, and it'll be a huge occasion. Um, get down and support it, particularly if you're a North Melbourne supporter, because it's their home game, and obviously it's a big initiative for North Melbourne. So if you want them to have a day of their own and to support it, you know, go go down. So um, Melbourne take on Frio on Saturday at the MCG. So this is interesting, because Melbourne obviously very under strength now, mm-hmm. but Frio travelling over to Melbourne to play at mm. the G... It's a hard one to pick. Uh, I reckon Melbourne should still get over the line, even uh, down on players here. Yeah, Melbourne um, should win this, but I'm going to pick Frio, and that's my lock of the week. I could see it going that way. That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Uh, GWS uh, take on Port? At the University Uh, of New South Wales. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, in, in uh, In the attendance hall, it's a fight. Yeah, no, it, it, they've decided to settle this one by exam. Oh. Charlie. <laughs> They're going to do an exam on the laws of the game, and whoever has the most correct answers actually wins this one. This could be a cracking uh, game, actually. Uh, it's at uh, UNSW, I believe, because uh, Spotless is being used for the Sydney show. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. So that's how, that's how they prioritise football in Sydney. Um <laughs> Yeah, this could be really. This could be a really good game. Like they're both uh, up and about these two teams. I think two wins, one loss each, and they both play fast football. How are you? Are you on the Sam Powell Pepper train? Oh man, I love the Sam, Beastie Sam Boy Pepper. Yeah, I, like Him I, and Ollie yeah. Wines, the Beastie Boys. Yeah, Peter Peter Piper Pal Pepper. <laughs> I yeah, no, I love him. Uh, I, I I love them. I love the way they're playing. This should be one of those games where it just pings from end to end. Yes, you'd think. that's what I'm and thinking it, too. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, it'd be a great game of football, I'd imagine. But I think GWS. Uh, I'll pick GWS as well. Uh, Resurgent Carlton take on the Cats at Etihad Stadium. Take on Gold Coast, I think. Actually, I'll say Gold Coast. Etihad. Sorry, I forgot. I saw the wrong C. <laughs> um, so this is an interesting game, I reckon. Gold Coast Carlton at Etihad. Like, hmm. if Gold Coast play the way they did last week then I'd probably say Gold Coast. But I don't know. Are Gold Coast capable of playing two games like that in a row? They haven't really proved that they are that often and they're travelling. Carlton were gritty. They'll get some confidence out of the win. Yeah, but it's not going to be raining under the roof at Etihad Stadium. I mean, I think Essendon were really brought down to Carlton's level. Uh, I'm going to pick the Suns. Just too much talent. Ablett's resurgent. Yeah, I've been burnt by the Suns before, um, but I'm going to say the Suns as well. Uh, Adelaide versus Essendon at the Adelaide Oval. Adelaide. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say Adelaide as well. I reckon Essendon will be good. I reckon they'll be fired up. They'll be ready to go. It'll be a great game, but um, Adelaide. And then on Sunday, Collingwood take on your boys, St Kilda, at Etihad Stadium. I think we'll win this, but it'll be tight. I, I think we'll win this by like two or three goals. I wouldn't be surprised if Collingwood get away from us and we claw back, but... Yeah, we have to play a lot better to win this game. I am going to pick Collingwood. And that, 
oh. is, my, is my lock of the week. <laughs> you motherfucker. Yeah. Although Collingwood technically do not have their backs to the wall. So I'm going against the backs to the wall principle. Well, Collingwood but... will definitely go into that game favourites. And this time last year, they were favourites as well. We played them in the MCG. You're at that game. We took our friend Dave Anthony. And uh, uh, yeah, that's the Saints true. won that game. So who knows? Yeah. I just think... Um, but the, the question for me, if we get Jack Stephen back, that will help enormously. But I don't know he will be back. So it makes it, makes it a bit tougher. I just feel like the Collingwood midfield, they're going to yeah, be too awesome. much for you. But it'll just depend on whether Collingwood can convert or not. Um, Brisbane Lions are playing Richmond at the G now. Traditionally set up to be Richmondy. Home mm-hmm. game against like one of the bottom teams. This is your, you've had three in a row. This is where it all falls apart, right? Traditionally. Yeah. But I think we I both have the feeling that it's yeah. too soon. Yeah, there's something better brewing. Something better yeah. brewing. But if it did happen, it would be beautiful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like seeing, like, a Marvel movie that's not one of the big ones, and you're like, oh, Ant-Man, I, it's okay. Like, you know, it's not yeah. one of my favourite ones. It's not Winter Soldier, but, you know, it's good enough. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I feel like. Traditionally, this would be good enough, but I feel like, I don't know, I feel like Richmond are building to an Avengers. A masterwork. Yeah, an exactly. Opus. Yeah. Not an Ant-Man, you know? Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, Hawthorne uh, taking on Geelong at the MCG on Easter Monday, which has traditionally been one of those days that everyone looks forward to because these teams have been so evenly matched. Mm. Um, This is Hawthorne, who I picked to make the eight up against Geelong, who I picked to not make the eight. (laughs) (laughs) Look, is there a chance, Charlie, that Hawthorne, after everything that they've copped this week, now come out and on the day when all bets are off, you know, tip the tables. I could, well, they always bring it with uh, Geelong, don't they? Like even yeah. in the games that Geelong constantly won with the Kenneth's curse, they're always close. I think their MCG Easter Monday against a traditional rival, you'd want to see more heart than up on the Gold Coast. But it's just whether or not they can actually, they just seem old and creaky. They just they seem slow. Yeah, they really do, don't they? Um, I'm going to say Geelong. Yeah, I'm going to say okay. Geelong for this. I'll say, I'll say Geelong as well. Sorry, Mike Al. All right. Uh, well, there we go. That's the podcast, I think, for this week. We should mention um, that uh, if you like our other podcast, TOEFOP, we're doing a big live show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival on Saturday night. Uh, Celia Pecola, John Deeks, uh, Daniel Sloss, Justin Hamilton, Lindsay Webb, uh, Nick Cody. It's going to be an absolutely huge uh, show there. So Comedy Theatre Saturday night. Yeah, I think it's uh, st- show starts at 10.15 or 10.30 or 10.45. <laughs> yeah, sure. look, to Get be honest, 10, I think... Get 10.15, you won't miss out. <laughs> Yeah, 10.15, get there. I'll probably get there around 10.30, so we probably won't start until then because I, <laughs> I have a show at nine, at least 15 minutes walk away from there. Okay. So right. clearly yeah, somebody, some people who are coming to my nine o'clock show are going, we're worried that we won't be able to make it on time to the podcast. And I'm like, I have to. So if I have, <laughs> like, do you mean? If, it, I'll, if I can get there, you can get there. It'll this be fine. perfect. You can, all, you can all Uber pool there. You save yourself a bit of cash. <laughs> Um, all right, I think that's okay. It. And so we say play on, not 15. Ball. We are two guys, one car.